Well, let's give a praise to the Lord. Come on, let's give a praise to the Lord. Come on. It's really about him. It's really about him and it's really for him. Well, happy Sunday, as we say at Healing Place Church. Happy Sunday, everyone. And it's an honor to be here. There's so many emotions in my heart this morning. I got tears of joy. It's just overwhelming of gratitude in my heart just for the Lord's faithfulness to all of us. Since I was here last, we've had a pandemic. And thank God we survived it and we are here celebrating the Lord's goodness. Can we give God a praise one more time for his faithfulness? She was just so grateful, Father, for your presence. And I just so echo Dr. Wilson's prayer, Lord. We just want to hear from you from heaven. And so I make myself available to you this morning in this time we have. Thank you so how much you've been moving already. And our hearts are so open to what you have in store for us this week. I trust you and I praise you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, I'm just processing, okay, where to start? Other than Peter, thank you for having me. And uh, Dr. Andrea, I don't know where you're at, but I'm looking forward to tag teaming with you um, this week. I did have a message prepared um, for this morning. In the last few days, I just sensed God really stirring my heart and redirecting me. And I want to just share what I feel God has put in my heart for us this morning. It was actually July 1st of this year, which is kind of wild that Peter mentioned July 1st a while ago. So what happened here at Beulah Camp, I, I look back at my journal entry was on July 1st that I was actually sitting with Psalm 147. I don't know if this is on. Okay, it's on. I'm going to sit here. So I was in Psalm 147 and I was just meditating on that this, that morning in my quiet time. And, and I just kept meditating on Psalm 147 the next day, the next day. And I've been meditating on this Psalm since July 1st of this year, which is only nine days ago. And I've been sitting with this and there's just been different things that God has been just putting in my heart around this particular passage. And so in the last few days, I really feel like God has put in my heart this morning to share this with you in preparation for what I believe God wants to do this week in all of our hearts. I don't think God wants us to wait till we get to the middle of the week or the end of the week for him to begin to move in our hearts. I believe he's positioning us now for what he wants to do. And he wants to just add to it, add to it. Several months ago in my quiet time with the Lord, I was praying into Sunday morning and this kingdom, I thought this impression came to my heart is that Mo, each Sunday you're not starting over again, but you're just building on what I did in your heart from the last time you gathered. And so I believe this week, God wants to build and build and take us on a journey. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 147. I love that we read, we recited Psalm 45, but today we're going to be teaching from 147. I'm actually going to start off in the Amplified version, and I'm only reading the Amplified because that's what I was reading that morning, okay? Nothing magical about the Amplified. That's that's a passage I was reading from that particular morning. Thank you, Marty. So I'm going to just set this up, and I'm going to jump to verse 9 because that's the scripture that my eyes really landed on and got highlighted in my heart. The first part of Psalm 147 talks about how praise is beautiful on God's people. That's Mo's translation, okay? And we got to praise the Lord this morning. But it talks about the greatness of God. But my eyes lock in on verse 9. And verse 9 says this, He gives to the beast his food, and to the young ravens that for which they cry. I'm going to read again. He gives to the beast his food, and to the young ravens, that for which they cry. 
And I just started sitting with this verse. And then my mind went to another passage in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 6, where we're invited by Jesus to look at the birds, consider the birds. And if the Lord takes care of the birds, how much more will he take care of us? But Luke actually uses the word raven. Say raven. So in Luke chapter 12, verse 24, he says, look at the raven. Consider the raven, like look intently at the bird, the raven, as you're sitting on your back deck, even at your abula, look at the bird, be mindful of the bird. In the same way the bird, I take care of the bird or the raven, I want to take care of you. Have you ever seen a stressed out bird? Usually not unless they were caught, right? In a cage and couldn't get out, right? Stressed out bird. But God's intention was for us to be free and we really be carefree. But how many of you find yourself worrying? And he's saying, if I take care of a raven, if I hear the cry of a raven, do you think he might hear your cry too? So as I'm sitting with this passage of he feeds the beast and he hears the cry of a raven, I thought of all creatures, couldn't he said a dove, right? But a raven? But he hears the cry of the raven. And this is not just a whimper. This, this means in the Hebrew language, a loud cry, a loud sound, a loud noise. Now, I know we tend to be a little quiet, right? But he's saying we're not quiet when we're crying out. It's a loud cry. And as I sit with this passage about ravens, I thought about in the scriptures where God is known to provide even using a raven. Help me somebody. Very lives with the prophet. First Kings chapter 17. God uses after 40 days of prayer, God uses a raven to provide for Elijah. But God doesn't stop there. The brook dries up and he says, okay, now I need you to go on and travel and you're going to encounter a widow. Like the book dries up and he uses a widow to also provide for Elisha. But God used a raven to provide for Elisha. And I did some research on a raven because I'm like, why do you not say a dove? And as I was looking at this idea of a raven, do you know in the Jewish culture, they were not permitted to eat a raven. It was against the law. In Leviticus chapter 11, verse 15, they were not able to eat a vulture or a raven. And I thought, this is, this is considered an unclean bird. So God is hearing the cry of a raven. God is hearing the cry of an unclean bird. And if God hears the cry of an unclean bird, just imagine the cry he hears of a blood-bought child of God. He hears our cry. It may not seem like it. It may not feel like it. But he hears our cry. The same word cry is the same word David uses. In Psalm chapter 3, verse 4, says, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me from his holy mountain. 
How many times have you cried out to the Lord and wondered, has he heard me from his holy mountain? Now I know we're all cleaned up today, looking mighty sophisticated and smelling good. But if we're honest, how many of us have questioned whether or not he's heard my cry? And the Bible says he does. He hears our cry from his holy mountain, his place of position, the holy of holies. He hears our cry. He's attentive to us. He's attentive to our need. It's the same one that David used in Psalm chapter 4, verse 1. When I cried to the Lord, he answered me. It's the same word that's used when the raven's crying out. He hears you. And I remind it in my own life. I remember quoting and praying Psalm chapter 3, verse 4 for almost two years. And I was wondering, is he hearing me cry? I'm hearing myself cry. Everyone else probably is hearing me cry, but is he hearing me cry? And I remember I was away. I was at a retreat. And at the end of the retreat, the Lord spoke this in my heart. He said, Mo, this is in response to the prayer that you have prayed for the last two years. I have heard your cry from my holy mountain. Let's go back to Elijah. Let's continue the story. To Elijah, the brook is dried up. Say, the brook is dried up. Because God was wanting him to go somewhere else because it was another need. It was another mission. You know, I'm glad the brook dried up. So many times we stayed there trying to keep digging and digging. And God's like, no, babe, you got to move on. Say, the brook is dried up. Because God wants you to go somewhere else. So he goes to Zephyr. And while he's at Zephyr, he encounters what? A widow. A widow who is both to make her last cake of bread for her and her son, and what? And die. First Kings chapter 17. If you want to turn there, you feel free to turn there. First Kings 17. So, Elijah encounters her. And he asks her, what are you doing? And she says, well, sir, I'm about to make a cake of bread with the leftover flour and oil I have, just a little bit of oil, and we're both to die. I'm going to eat and die. And I found a little bit of oil. Let me tell you, God doesn't need much. You know what sound little as much? When God is in it. He, he was responding to this act of obedience. So Elijah says, make me a cake first, and your flour and your oil will never run out. Now, number one, if you're a widow, it's your last bit of flour you have in oil, and you're a mama. Let's say a mama bear. You're, you're not in the natural going to want to give up your last bit of oil and flour to make the bread for this man of God who calls himself a man of God. Can I get a witness? But she obeyed. She makes him a cake of bread. They eat it. And for the rest of the famine, say the rest of the famine, she doesn't run out of flour, oil, or bread. A while later, the child dies. Say the child dies. And Elijah comes back. 
And when he comes back, he sees that this child is dead. So we're going to move to verse 20 and 21 of 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 22. If you have your Bible, let's go there. And as Elijah comes to this mother, I want you to hear what happens. 1 Kings 17. Elijah the prophet replies, give me your son. And he took the child's body, verse 19, from his arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and laid the body on the bed. Verse 20, then Elijah cried out to the Lord. Say, cried out to the Lord. This is the same word that's used in Psalm 147, verse 9, concerning the raven. It's the same word that's used, David crying out to God, and God hearing him from the holy mountain. Elijah is crying out with a loud cry to God for a miracle for this woman. So he cries out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? Verse 21, and he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried to the Lord. The same word there, cried. Cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then he brought the child to the mama, and the mama said, you truly are the man of God you said you are, and I believe your word. Of course you believe the word, because he did it, right? It's easy to believe after the miracle, right? Sometimes it's a little hard to believe when the miracle hasn't happened yet. But I want you to lock in on this idea. Elijah cried out to the Lord on behalf of this widow for her son. And this is what I have been sitting with in my own life. What things in my life, what things are there in your life that you need to cry out to God for? What things do you need to see be restored? This word, it says that God restored the young boy's soul and revived him, brought him back to life. What areas of your life do you need God to revive this week? What areas do you need to stretch over and call out to God and say, God, will you please revive my life, revive my soul, revive my family, revive my marriage, revive my finances? Please bring a revival to my soul. Now, I'll sing it of this word, revive. <laughs> it means to be brought back to life. Now, I want you to know this, that I don't think everything should be brought back to life that's been dead in your life. Help me, somebody. Some of these old relationships say bye-bye, no more, right? And so many times we find ourselves over in the graveyard trying to read deep stuff that God wants us to let go of and stay buried. But I'm talking about the call of God. I'm talking about the dream that God has put in your heart. I'm talking about a vision. I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about the well-being of your soul. God wants to bring revival to our hearts, our souls, our life this week. And there were two thoughts that came to me that I think are, are applicable for us. Elijah cried out to the Lord. He knew who to cry out to. Guys, we know who to cry out to. And so many times we find substitute for God. 
And God wants to be no substitute. He wants to be the one we cry out to. Now, if we need to cry out to other people for accountability and counseling, I'm, I'm all there. I'm not talking with that. But I'm talking with the, the wholeness of our soul, too, as a person. We must cry out to God. And so many times we're crying out to everyone else before we're crying to God. How would the script switch if we started to cry out to God just as much, if not more, as we cry out to other people? Elijah cried to God. And I love how personal it was. He said, my God, because at that point, the widow didn't know the God of Elijah. So he said he made a personal, my God. I believe God wants us to cry out to him this week. And number two, I believe God wants us to stretch ourselves over those situations in prayer, saturating those situations in prayer, saturating those situations in the word of God so God can raise those things back to life. I started off this message saying, that God heard the cry of a raven. If God can hear the cry of an unclean bird, he can also hear your cry. You know where it took me to? As I'm meditating on this, it took me to James chapter five. Let's go to James chapter five, verse 13. James five, 13. And I'm reading this from the Amplified just because I like the way it reads. Okay. I love the wording. Verse 13 of James chapter 5 says, Is any among you afflicted, ill-treated, suffering evil? He should pray. Is anyone glad at heart? He should sing praises to God. I love it. You're, 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 not, you're in trouble, pray. If you're happy, praise God. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? He should call in the church elders, the spiritual guides, and they should pray over him, anointing him with oil in the Lord's name. In the prayer that is of faith, listen to this, it will save him that is sick. The Lord will restore him. And the New King James says the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sin, he will be forgiven. Verse 16 says, confess to one another, therefore your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of heart and mind. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. Verse 17, read it with me. <laughs> Elijah was a human being with a nature just like ours. Listen to the way that Amplified says it. With feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours, he was a man of law and order, just like we are. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain. And no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced its crop. Elijah was a man like you and I because God wants us to have the kind of relationship with him that Elijah had. God doesn't want this just to be a story in the book that we know and we read, but he wants it to be personal for you and I. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your circumstance, but I'm here to tell you, God wants you to cry out to him. God wants you to stretch yourself out before him and pray to him. And when I was thinking of this idea of stretch, these thoughts came to my mind. 
It means I'm humbling myself before God. What does the Bible say? Those who humble themselves will experience what? God's grace. To me, stretching myself, it means it's a posture of surrender to God. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture of, of surrender, but it's also a posture of covering. That as I'm stretching myself before God, I'm covering that situation with God in prayer. And as Elijah stretched himself out over that child and cried out to God three times, the soul of that young boy was restored, revived. What area do you need to have restored this week? What area? do you need to have revived? Because that's the area God wants to begin with and God wants to touch. How many of you guys know this song? We praise thee, O God, for the son of thy love for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, thine glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain who has borne all our sins and has breath. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thy the Revive us again. Fill each May each soul be rekindled with fire from, come on. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, Brad, just let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Just two thoughts in my, in my mind and my heart. And the first one is, Maybe you don't know Jesus, and I believe the Lord wants to bring you back to life again based off the book of Ephesians, where it says, even when we're dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ raised us to life. Maybe you don't know Jesus. You're saying, man, I need my soul revived. I need to be saved. I just want you to acknowledge that need to Jesus. Admit your need for Jesus. Believe he is the son of God and commit your life to following him and just ask the Lord to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. 
The other invitation I want to extend this morning to you is maybe here you're here and you know that your soul needs to be revived. Like your soul is part, maybe you feel like you're, like the book, the brook is dried up, your soul is parched, and you need God to revive your soul. Maybe you need God to revive your marriage. Maybe you need God to revive a, a relationship, a situation in your life that you know God wants to revive and needs to, re, to revive. And if that's you, I'd just love for you to lift up your hand because I would love to pray for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. I just wanted to share a story before I pray. Several years ago, it was actually November 2011. It was actually a year before to the day that we planted the church. I was away at a, a pastor's conference in Brooklyn Tabernacle. And the pastor, Pastor Jim, had an altar call and he, he just gave this beautiful altar call. You know, you just need a touch from the Lord. I want you to come and allow the Lord to touch your heart. At that moment, I did not realize how much of a touch I needed from the Lord in my soul. And as I went to that altar, Brooklyn Tavernock, I don't know if you've ever been there, but they pray so loud, you can't even hear yourself pray. You can't even hear yourself think, and you can't hear yourself sing. They just go at it. But I know God was so touching my heart in that moment. And I can't even tell you uh, just the significance of that moment because, like, for uh, over a year, I didn't even touch the piano in our home. I didn't even sing. And as a, as a, at, as, uh, as I was at the altar, I began to, Lord, began to sense the Lord was telling me he was restoring my song that I had lost. And he began to restore my song, but he was also positioning me for what he wanted me to do next, and I didn't even know it, and that was to plan a church. And I think how much, how different the story would have been had I not yielded to the invitation of God to touch my heart and my soul. And as you yield this week to the invitation of God to yield your heart and your soul, watch what he will do in your life, even by this time next year. Amen. So if you lifted your hand, I want you to stand because I want to pray over you. Marty, if you want to come on back, that'd be great. Amen. Let's just pray. If there's someone sitting beside you, why don't you just go ahead and extend your hand to them or put your hand on their shoulder. That would be great. Father, may you just breathe your life into those that are standing. Breathe your breath into their life by the power of your Holy Spirit. We welcome the breath of heaven today in their hearts, in their situation, in their lives. Breath of heaven, come breathe even now to thirsty souls, hearts, souls. Do what only you can do. 
Do what only you can do, Father. It will give you praise and the glory. Touch minds, touch emotions. Breathe your life. Breathe your life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Breathe your life. Breathe your life. And Jesus, name my prayer. Fill our cups, Lord. They're upward. They're upward. They're not downward. They're upward. Fill them, Lord. Fill them. Fill them, Lord. They're upward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. One closing story, and I just want to end this morning with this story. Psalm 23 says how the Lord restores our soul. Verse 3 says he leads us beside the still waters, but he restores our soul. I just want to paint a picture for you of that shepherd. What does that mean for you and I even this week? It means that a shepherd notices one of his sheep have gotten away. And the shepherd goes and looks for the sheep. And the shepherd is so attentive, he does not give up on the sheep until he finds the sheep. And as he hears some noise of his sheep, he gets closer and closer toward the sheep. And he noticed that the sheep is upside down, wearing themselves out because they got stuck. Now, this good shepherd does not leave the shepherd, the sheep there and say, well, you should have known better. The shepherd gets down and he picks the sheep up and he actually places the sheep on his lap. And by then the sheep has lost its circulation. It can't stand on its own. And the shepherd takes the sheep and puts the sheep on his lap and begins to massage the sheep's legs and the sheep's body until circulation of the blood starts flowing again. Then he takes the sheep and he puts the sheep beside him to see if the sheep can stand on its own. When he recognizes the sheep cannot stand on its own, he then takes the sheep back and starts circulating his hands along the side of the sheep to get the circulation of the blood flowing again in the sheep. If he recognizes the sheep is still too tired, from all of that and getting away. The shepherd will take the sheep, put its sheep on his shoulders and carry the sheep safely back home. What is Modique saying to you today? I believe God wants to restore your soul this week. Some of you might have been stuck in a situation and you think, well, I'm just stuck. This is it. God wants to come along, find you, pick you up, put you on his lap, start massaging your body, massaging your leg to get the blood circulating again. So by the time you leave this week of camp, you're standing strong on your own. And even if you're too weak, he's going to carry you on your shoulders and restore you until you get your strength back. Why? Because he restores our soul. 
He doesn't wait until we get unstuck to restore us. He restores us even when we might feel stuck. That's the good shepherd he is. So let him this week lead you by the still waters. Let him this week restore your soul. Let him this week draw you close and speak to you as a friend speaks to a friend. Revive us again, O oh God. Restore us again, O oh God, so we can stand strong in the Lord in the power of his might. God, restore pastors, restore leaders, restore moms, dads, children, restore even relationships. Do this week, God, what only you can do and we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory because it's not by our might or by our power, but it's by the spirit of the living God. And we say yes and amen. And amen. Can we give God a praise that he's a restorer and he's the one that revives. So look at your neighbor and say, stretch this week. Say, stretch this week. Stretch. Come on, say, stretch. Cry out to God. Look at your other neighbor. Say, stretch. Cry out to God. Come on, say it again. Say, stretch. Say, cry out to God. One more time. Say, stretch. Cry out to God because he will hear your cry. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you.